First things first, this is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> Oh, it's a beautiful day today. People getting at me thinking I'm scared. Evidently, you forgot who the hell I am. I ain't scared at all. That's why I have this damn show. Unfiltered. Yes, you asked for it. Even if you didn't, you got it anyway. Get the hell over it. The Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you as I love to do several times during the week. Usually it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I was supposed to be on yesterday, but I was traveling from Denver, Colorado to Miami for the NBA Finals. Missed my flight, so obviously I wasn't able to do yesterday's show, but that's why I'm here today on a Tuesday, because I want to make sure I give you me at least three times a week, because that's what I promised you. Of course, I'll be on tomorrow, which is Wednesday. I'll be on Friday as well. And hell, if I'm in the mood, I might even add an extra show. It depends on what's going on. It depends on what's going on. That's how I roll. By the way, even though I'm on a roll, I'm still here with you. Thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith Show. By the way, just so um, before I neglect getting into it, make sure to like and follow, and hit the notification bell to get updated with all my new content. Check it out. It's all there. The Stephen A. Smith Show, formerly No Mercy. I changed the name No Mercy a couple of weeks ago to the Stephen A. Smith Show because when you Google me, you don't Google No Mercy. You Google Stephen A. Smith. So I wanted to make sure that I did that. I got a few things to get on my mind, and there's obviously a couple of sports items. I'm here at the NBA Finals. I'll be getting into that in just a second. I'm going to get into this merger that took place in the world of golf, which I think is a very, very big thing, which is something that we shouldn't know we shouldn't forget or neglect but before i get into any of that let me say this real quick i ruffled a lot of feathers over the last few days it was not my intention when i was talking about the president of the united states of america and how we need a new president in 2024 that ruffled a few feathers that perturbed a few people that upset a whole bunch of folks whole bunch of liberal folks um, who obviously uh, don't like the position that I took. What I want to say to y'all from the bottom of my heart, I don't give a damn. Get the hell over it. I said what I said and I meant what I meant. This is not ageism. There's plenty of people who should be working and are working into their 80s that, by the way, are brighter than most of us. And the 70s and the 60s. I'm not buying into some definitive retirement age. I'm not engaging in ageism. 
I'm talking about the times that we're living in. I'm talking about the presidency of the United States of America. I'm talking about the energy, the fervor, the vibrancy, the health, the the cognitive tendencies and capabilities that you need to have in order to be in that position. And if I see it all questionable and you are 80. And if you were to win the presidency, it would be at the age of 82. And you'd be committed to being in an office until you're 86. I mean, stop the presses. That I would have the temerity, the unmitigated goal to sit up there and say, um, damn, y'all can't get somebody a little bit younger. It's 2023. Hell, Hillary can run again. Michelle Obama can decide to run. Hakeem Jeffries can decide to run. I mentioned Elizabeth Warren for crying out loud. We know how sharp Bernie Sanders is. I'm not engaging in any ageism. I'm simply talking about relatability matters along with health. It's a big job being the leader of the free world. And it is not a crime for an American citizen who is a voter who, by the way, voted for Joe Biden. It's not a crime nor an insult for me to sit up there and say, I really appreciate you, sir, but it might be time to let somebody else run. I'm not overreacting to him tripping over a sandbag. I've tripped over sandbags. I've tripped over steps, running up them and bust my face. And this was when I was in my 30s. It's not a crime. It's not the end of the world what happened. But looking at the world that we live in and the issues that we have and the complications and the challenges that we have to face as a nation. And the energy and the fervor and the focus and the tenacity and the sharpness that one would deduce needs to be possessed by the leader of the free world. It is not an insult to sit up there and say, um, it might be time for somebody else to be in office in 2024. I didn't sit up there and say invoke the 25th Amendment and get rid of him. I certainly didn't say to do that to in, 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 in implement Vice President Kamala Harris into the equation. She's got to earn her stripes. There's a lot of people that got questions about her. I didn't sit up there and say vote Republican or conservative. I simply said, excuse me. We got a whole bunch of younger, brilliant minds, both on the male and female side. Gender's not relevant here. Who are capable of doing the job? If you're the Democrats, that's the best you can do. You got everybody salivating and clamoring to support a dude that's going to be 82 years old. That's the best you can do. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at you. For not making sure you had a slew of viable candidates where you wouldn't have to depend on this man and run him into the ground. It's your fault. Ain't mine. Discover, cultivate, and position somebody younger, dare I say sharper, to be in a position where you ingratiate them with the American people so you can win an election potentially against a 78-year-old. It's your damn fault. I didn't do that. You did it. 
I voted for Joe Biden. And I like some of the stuff he's done. Some stuff I don't like. Some stuff I do. But I voted for him. What I said is no different than you going to the polls and you voting for who you voted for, with the exception of it's private and I'm letting everybody know where I stand. Shut the hell up. Make me sick with all of this nonsense. Now let me move on. Interesting news in the world of sports. Don't know if you missed it or not. But our... uh, The PGA, the DP World Tour, and Live Golf League. In case y'all missed it, they've been embroiled in a bit of feud for more than a year. Because obviously PGA golfers, some of them like Kepka and Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson and others went to play with Live Golf because it was more profitable for them to do so. Because they weren't getting their just due in their eyes, nor were many golfers getting their just due in their eyes from the PGA. So they joined Live Golf and Live Golf and the PGA were in a war against one another, figuratively speaking, of course, a legal battle. Well, evidently, they've agreed to unify and move forward in a large commercial business. Both circuits announced just today. The tours called the stunning development, quote, a landmark agreement on a global basis. I'm reading from ESPN.com, quote, there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years. PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan told CNBC on Tuesday, what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf and to do so under one umbrella. We've recognized that together we can have a far greater impact on this game than we can working apart. The game of golf is better for what we've done here today. And I could not agree more. And I'm going to have a guest on in just a second to talk about this. But I also wanted to take a moment to point out some stuff that I thought was very, very important for y'all to know. Because you see, this is the kind of stuff that gets on my last damn nerves. And I'm going to put on my glasses here because I want to make sure I don't miss it. You know, I'm getting older. You see what I'm saying? I'm getting older. I'm getting older, y'all. My eyes ain't what they used to be. I'm sure there are things about Joe Biden at the age of 80. Joe Biden would be quick to tell you he can no longer be that way. What he was at when he was 60 or 50 or 40 or 30. But I digress. My point in bringing up what I'm about to bring up. I have always been a supporter of Live Golf. Always. Greg Norman and those boys supporting the sport, supporting the entity. I understand it was financed by the Saudi Arabian government. I get all of that. Saudi Arabia's public investment fund in a, in a number of $2 billion. I've always been supportive of it. Oh, Stephen, what are you talking about? How could you say such a thing? Look at the human rights violations that they've committed. Oh, shut up. I don't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it months ago. I damn sure don't want to hear it now. And I'm going to tell you why. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand. For those of you out there bitching and moaning about golfers. I got Tiger Woods, you know, intimating that they're traitors. Rory McIlroy and others speaking out. What you going to say now? What you going to say now? That's actually one of the questions that one of the guys that's beyond hung on. He said, I'm guessing the live teams were struggling to get sponsors and PGA tour couldn't turn down the money. Win win for both tours, but it's a big lose for who defended the tour for the last two years. 
That's what he says. And he's right. Because when you were depend- defending the PGA Tour, you were excoriating the other golfers. Now you got to live with them. And I totally supported that. And you know why I supported it, ladies and gentlemen? Because I want to read this nugget of information because I think it's important for you to understand. Did you know, and I'm reading from information here from CBS. Did you know that U.S. goods and services trade with Saudi Arabia totaled an estimated $38.7 billion in 2019? Did you know that? The U.S. goods and services trade surplus with Saudi Arabia was $9 billion in that same year, 2019. Baby, for those of you who don't understand what surplus means, it's like $9 billion profit. That's what the, new, the, the United States government made off of doing business, trading with Saudi Arabia. I got, I got more. Did you know that over the past decade, according to CBS, U.S. defense contractors were approved to sell $139 billion in equipment and services to Saudi Arabia. But y'all complaining about golfers. Individual golfers who feel that they weren't treated well enough by the PGA wanted a different outlet, not only to make some additional dollars, but to expand the, the sport beyond the lines and the corridors of just the PGA. And y'all were moaning and groaning. While the U.S. government was making billions off of doing business with Saudi Arabia. So the government could do business. But individuals can't. Does that sound like the American way to you? It don't sound like the American way to me. But what do I know? I know somebody who does know a little bit more, actually a lot more about this subject than I do. He is a golf analyst and a golf commentator. Golf insider. For the worldwide leader in sports, ESPN himself. He is my brother. He is my friend. He is somebody that I know very, very well. And when I want to know anything about golf, he is the first call that I make. His name is Mr. Michael Collins. And he's on the Stephen A. Smith show right now. Big time. What's going on, man? How you doing? How's everything? Uh, my, my brother, let me just tell you, uh, when you reached out and all this news broke, I was standing next to my son, Major. And uh, he freaked out like the people freaked out when they found out this news and was like, wait, is that the real Stephen A. hollering at you right now? That's right. It is me. We are at the Corn Ferry Tour event at the BMW Charity Pro-Am, basically the PGA Tours AAA. Okay. We're at that event. And uh, when this news broke, let me tell you, bro, this is the only thing that everybody's been talking about. I got to tell you this, Michael. And by the way, to, to those of you who may not be too familiar with Michael, his nickname, we call him America's Caddy. That's what we call him, America's Caddy. This news broke. Explain as, as quickly as you possibly can, Michael, why this was such big news in the world of golf and beyond, particularly considering the fact that no one thought this was a marriage that was foreseeable this quickly at the very least. Well, that's why this is basically breaking the golf world. It, it's just breaking them off. It's it's crazy because these two entities live in the PGA Tour were dug so hard into the sand. Both of them had legal litigation against one another. And all the talk that you heard from leadership on both sides, Greg Norman on the Live Golf side and Jay Monahan on the PGA Tour side, were that these two entities are not coming together 
under any circumstances whatsoever. And when the PGA Tour dug in, you heard words like traitors being thrown out there. From who? When, when who said, for, who when said traitor? I mean, there were, there were plenty of dudes that were out there saying it. Plenty of pundits that are out there, too, you know, that had maybe a stake in the PGA Tour mm-hmm. that kind of went on the attack mode. Now, one of the dudes that really changed his tune in the last three weeks was Rory McIlroy, which now makes you go, Hmm. What might have Rory known? That's right. Right? Yeah. But here's the thing when it comes to the PGA Tour and litigation. Vijay Singh had a lawsuit against them for a minute. And guess what? That lawsuit went away. Hmm. You know why? Because PGA Tour does not want to go into court and open their books up. Because hmm. if you open your books up, you have to show everybody everything. Well, and now... Is documented in a court of law and open to the public, which the tour has not necessarily been completely open with everybody on how they do everything. Okay, they never announce fines, they never announce suspensions, they never announce. Uh, there's a lot of things where a lot of money goes, and this new merger mm-hmm. is a for-profit entity. No question about it, Michael. I want you to educate my audience real quick. What? exactly were the problems that PGA golfers that ultimately departed for live golf? What, who were they and why specifically did they have a problem with the PGA that made them go over to live golf? Educate my audience about that real quick. I'm going to do it as fast as I can, but it starts with Greg Norman years and years ago, Greg Norman wanted to, do what became the WGC, the World Golf Championships, where he wanted just the top 50 guys, the top 40 guys in the world to kind of break away from the PGA Tour and just have their own thing because that's who the audience wanted to see, right? So I'm going to do something with the top guys. We're going to make all the money, keep it all for ourselves, but also we're going to own our own likenesses. And that's where a guy like Phil Mickelson starts coming in. So once that all went down with Greg, the tour squashed him on that hardcore, said we ain't never going to do anything like that. Then magically, a couple of years later, WGCs come out. Well, now Phil Mickelson goes out there and he's like, hey, man, I don't own my own likeness. And we saw now what's going on in college sports now with NILs. Well, guess what? If you're a PGA Tour pro, like, why do I have to use permission to use my own? What do you, Why does the PGA Tour own my likeness? Right. Like, why do they own all of the shots of me hitting golf balls? Like, that doesn't seem right. And that became a big thing. Well, if it's like, well, if, if I'm only making this amount of money and I have to make cuts, PGA, a lot of people don't know, if you play a PGA Tour event on the up and up, you don't get paid if you don't play on the weekend. Mm. So a lot of players were like, yo, I'm working my behind off. And there are weeks I'm not making any money. I still got to pay the caddy. I still got to pay the coach. I still got to pay the mental guy. I still got to pay the physio guy. Oh, yeah. like And caddies used to, I got to pay airfare, hotel, car rental, food. Like The players got to pay the caddy, too, and he's got to pay for all of that. Mm. So a lot of money was going out for a lot of these players, especially the mid-level guys, and not a lot felt like it was coming back. And then the tour's going out giving, hey, we're giving – Billions of dollars out to all these other places. And players are going, well, hold on. How come we ain't getting a little taste of that? Right. And it got to be a little contentious. And here's the thing. There was not another entity around. So if you're the big man on campus and you ain't got nobody going to step up to you, then guess what? 
If somebody's like, hey, I got a problem. Well, you can take your problem over there. Mm-hmm. That why would you change? Right. Well, guess what? When the Live Golf came in there and all these dudes took off, you know, at first it was, oh, man, it's Phil Mickelson, all these old guys. They got no chance of winning no more. So we ain't got to worry about them. Yo, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka just left. Uh, yeah, well, Brooks is hurt. He probably never going to win again no more. He thinks he ain't no good no more. So well, even if he's hurt a little bit, when he gets better, he's not going to be at Yo, Cam Smith, world number two, just left. Uh, mm. Well, he can't. Uh, he, um, uh, and yeah, and now next thing you know, they're like, oh, yeah, these dudes are going to play against the same dudes every single week. Nobody wants to see that. And now you got this secret player meeting. And what happens on the PGA Tour? Um, we decided Rory comes out. Well, we had a meeting. We all decided it'd be in golf's best interest if we all played against one another more often because that's more compelling. Hold up, man. I thought you were just complaining about that over there for them dudes mm-hmm. when they did it. Right. right? They'd what about like, Tiger oh, Woods? Guess, ours is different because it's about legacy, M- and we have a cut, and there's Michael, money, and we have a what? What, what about we Tiger not, Woods? We aren't going to cut no more. Yeah, we're not going to have a cut no more. So we right. only want the top dudes to not have a cut, and they get paid no matter what. What about? But I thought you said legacy. Wait, what? Yeah, Michael. What about my? What about Tiger Woods? He spoke out against those live golfers. He alluded he to their betrayal. He ain't where, playing where, no where, more though. That's there not we go. the thing. Like, yeah, Tiger said that too, but and we had talked about this once before. Tiger has a vested interest in the PGA Tour. Yes, he does. Right? Golf Channel. So if, Golf Channel. If you, if you got a vested interest and you're part of the discovery, like if you got a taste of the discovery and that means worldwide TV rights and you're getting tastes of all that kind of stuff, then who else you going to bat for? But this is the problem now. Where we are right now is the exact problem because once you just team up and you dig into that sand, now it's a whole you gotta be doing like the matrix, like backtracking slow and crazy because, like you said, all those dudes said all that stuff. Ben on said it perfect on Twitter. I've been texting with dudes now. There's a huge PGA tour player meeting right now in Canada that's going on at 4 p.m. Eastern time with all these players. And players that aren't in Canada can't even zoom into this meeting. Wow. Which means there are dudes that are outside, guys like John Rahm. Like, there are high-ranked players that are not in Canada right now that are not going to be in this meeting. Last, And it it's curious now how this is all going to work out, right, right. you know, because Last, this went down on such I'm not curious low. about it. I'm not so curious. Hold on, confused. Michael. Hold on, Michael. I'm not confused about it at all because the same people that we're talking about right now are the same people that couldn't do but so much until Live Golf came along because there was only one entity. And now that Live and the PGA have collaborated with one another, that means they are now they have now merged and they are one. Where are you going if you're a golfer? You're going to have to deal with whatever the situation is that Live and the PGA have conformed with one another to, and that's that. So my last question to you would be this. I would imagine that at the end of the day, if you are a guy that cared about golf and associated with the PGA, this was your dream that you would live, that, that live would come along and it would provoke and incentivize the PGA to step up and to do something that was great for the players monetarily and beyond. That has now happened officially. Who deserves the most credit? for this actually happening. That's my last question to you before I let you go. Jay Monahan, 
Jimmy Dunn are the two major players that I think came and backdoor had some meetings going yes. on before. Right. Um, but I'm talking about who really Jay incited it. Gonna get a lot, he's going to get a lot of blame on this. Yeah. But he also deserves a lot of credit. I gave him credit. He, he even said 10 to 15 years, the fans are going to understand why this is so great. But they mad now. But I'm going to tell you this. Like, there are players that are not happy now. But there are players that are looking at Jay Monahan that was like, yo, you told us to stay loyal and not take the bag from Liv. And now you went and did a deal. And you telling me these dudes are going to get to get their bag and they get to come back? Yo. That yep. ain't okay. They're going to hate Jay Monahan. That's the problem. They're going to hate Jay Monahan. So Jay Monahan, Jay Monahan did great for the sport, but he didn't do great for those players who he, who, who, who's, whose loyalty he required. I was thinking the person who deserved the most credit was Phil Mickelson because he's near the top of the heap. He's obviously a household name, and he was Phil willing. Mickelson Alien is the Jose Canseco of golf right now. To them, to the golfers. That's true. No question. I got you. I understand. Michael Collins, America's caddy. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for being here for me. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate, I appreciate you. I'm always here for you, brother. You know that, man. I appreciate, I appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. The one and only Michael Collins of ESPN, America's caddy, the golf aficionado that I and everybody else, I might add, should defer to when we want to know what the hell is going on. Lots of stuff to get into. Don't think I forgot about the NBA Finals. I'm about to get up on that next, of course. I got a bunch of stuff on my mind. That and some immigration issues that I want to discuss. It's necessary, which means I don't run from it. The Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you. More in just a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to Stephen A. Smith Show. Coming at you right here on YouTube, as I love to do at least three days every single week. As always, as I told you before, make sure to like and follow and hit the notification bell to get updated with all the new content from the Stephen A. Smith Show on YouTube and beyond. Make sure you tune in, check it out. Before I get into the NBA Finals, let me revisit a conversation that I had last week or a a discussion that I had last week about Shannon Sharp real quick. I meant what I said. I respect the brother. And if he wants to come on first take, I'm here for it. I support him. He wants to go elsewhere. That's fine. He wants to get his own show and he's got his own aspirations. I'm fine with that, too. Um, and whatever happened with him and Skip Bayless is their business. I know nothing about it. I don't want to know. The only reason I brought it up is because it was announced that he had been bought out by Fox. Otherwise, I would have never broached that subject because I would never disrespect Skip Bayless like that. Having said all of that, let me say this. Got a lot of respect, again, for Shannon Sharp. But make no mistake about it, I love my crew. Ryan Clark, The Pivot, plus an extraordinary NFL analyst. It's my brother, Keyshawn Johnson. That's my dog. We go back decades. It's my man. Swagoo, Marcus Spears. My man, Bart Scott, no doubt. Dan Orlovsky, my brother from another mother. I hope Jeff Saturday comes back. Mina Kimes and, you know, I mean, just a whole list of crew of folks contributed to the NFL. Kimberly Martin, the whole crew. And we know how I feel about the playmaker, Michael Irvin. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't know what his situation is. I haven't spoken to him in a while. 
There's not much on this planet Earth I would not do for Michael Irvin. That's my brother. I love him to death. And I think he makes great television. And I would never, ever, ever sit up there and tell anybody that I want anybody more than I want Michael Irvin. It's just that things that are going on are out of my control. Whether it's the NFL, it's the NFL Network, it's ESPN, I don't know. And I don't have any control over that. That's beyond my pay grade. But as I said before, I welcome Shannon Sharp to first take. But it would be in the mix of being a part of the family. I'm not looking for an everyday person on first take. So for all of you clamoring for that, get over it. Don't work that way. I'll happily help him get his own show or anybody else that wanted their own show. I'll do everything I can to help them in that regard, although I have no control over that. But when it comes to first take, I like the potpourri of contributors. I like the action and the excitement and the fun on the show. Adding people into the mix is one thing. Changing the complete makeup and formula of the show is entirely different. And that ain't happening for anyone. Because I love too many of my brothers and sisters that contribute to the show, both white and black, male and female, all of that, to deviate from that, just to get that straight. Now, let me get to the NBA Finals, because I got to tell you, I'm very relieved because I was scared to death that the Denver Nuggets was going to go up 2-0. Because it's a tall task to expect the Miami Heat to win four games over a next five-game span if they had fallen 0-2 to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and the crew in Denver. It would have been a tall task. But give Miami props. Jimmy Butler showed up. Duncan Robinson showed up in the fourth quarter. Gabe Vincent has played solid for the last five or six games this postseason that he's been playing because he did get injured and missed the game. Miami is something to be reckoned with. But I'm going to say what I've said on national TV, and I'm going to say it again. Miami's only hope of winning this series, in my estimation, is hitting three-point shots. Miami, up against Boston, was losing at fast break points, second chance points, and a multitude of other offensive efficiency categories, field goal percentage shooting, etc. What Miami did was outshoot Boston on the three. And I believe that's what they'll need to do in order to beat Denver. Now, Mike Malone, the coach, might have got on them and he might have talked about a lack of focus and he might have talked about effort and all of this other stuff. And I understand it because guess what? You beat L.A. You beat LeBron James and Anthony Davis in L.A. So guess what? You feeling yourself. You knocked off the big fish. You knocked off the Giants. It's Tinseltown. It's L.A. It ain't about LeBron and A.D. It's about Tinseltown. It's about the spotlight. It's about where everything descends, what everything descends upon. And once Denver did that, it's perfectly plausible that they said, yeah, we good now. We good. So they come out there in game one after a nine-day absence, runs Miami out of the gym, and did it with such ease that they sat up there and said, yo, we could do this. We got this series. And Miami said, you must have forgot who the hell we are. This is heat culture. This is Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and Alonzo Mourning. This is where LeBron played. This is where Shaq played. This is where D. Wade started. Wade County right down the block from where I'm at right now. They said you must have forgot. And as a result, 
they beat Denver. They were up 11 in the first quarter, down 15 by the second quarter. That's a 26-point turnaround. Denver did that, then took their foot off the gas. Miami hit some big shots. Jimmy Butler, a corner three from the left-hand side. Gabe Benson, a three from the left wing. Duncan Robinson going into the hole and throwing up scoop layups with his left hand and stuff like that. Treating people like they small. Scoring 10 points in the fourth quarter. Kayla Martin ain't even get off yet. Max Struess reminded us that he could shoot the ball in the first quarter and then forgot the next three. Kyle Lowry is just a savvy veteran. At this point, he's on his last legs. But Miami is still here. I'm just happy because I think by doing so, they've made this a series. I could easily see this series going back to Denver, tied 2-2. Denver could win tomorrow night, but I'm going to go with Miami to win game three. Wednesday night. Denver ties it up in game four. Could happen in the reverse. Well, I don't know, but that's what I'm going to pick right now. We'll see what happens. But I love the fact that this is serious because I hate blowouts. I hate annihilations. I hate lopsided contests. That takes away the thrill and the suspense and the excitement. Now, I didn't want that to happen. I really, really didn't. So I'm very, very happy about that. Let me transition to a different subject that I wanted to get into here. America is supposed to be a mosaic. That means white people are here. That means black people are here. That means Hispanics are here. Asian Americans are here. Asians and Asians Americans. Native Americans. Jews. Gentiles. Protestants. Catholics. Muslims. Buddhists. Hindus. Everything. America prides itself on being a mosaic. And so we should all be alarmed when we read a story that 16 migrants from Venezuela and Colombia were flown on a private jet to California and dropped off outside a church building in Sacramento, California. We should all be alarmed. When something like that happens. And just for clarification, let's understand what happened. The state of Florida. And I know you're saying, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Because these migrants were in El Paso, Texas. But the state of Florida actually picked up asylum seekers. On the Texas border, according at least to accusations. By the California Attorney General. Rob. Bonta, B-O-N-T-A. The state of Florida picked up asylum seekers on the Texas border Monday and took them by private jet to California's capital city, which is Sacramento, at taxpayer expense for the second time in four days. A lot of people would say that's very, very callous. Certainly hasn't been the first time. I forget whether it was Florida or the state of Texas, with, whether it's Governor Robert Santos, Ron DeSantis, or it's Governor Greg Abbott in Texas. I remember when migrants were shipped to New York City or sent to New York City, rather. I remember when they were sent to Martha's Vineyard. I remember when they were sent outside the home of Vice President Kamala Harris. It does seem callous. Playing with human lives. 
toying with them like they're nothing, using them as pawns. I don't condone that. I don't support that. I think we're better than that as a society. But I got to admit something. As much as I don't like it, I can't deny the plausibility and the effectiveness of the strategy. See, at the very least, what this is going to force and compel politicians to do is shut the hell up. Say, hypothetically, because I don't know who said what, so please don't quote me, and I'm not attaching any name to it. But if the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, is for open borders and opens his mouth to abhor what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida, then from a strategy perspective, I can't deny the fact that it is effective to send folks to Gavin Newsom state to see how he's going to act about it since he was chirping about it to denigrate Ron DeSantis, hypothetically, because I don't know if, Ron, if, if Gavin Newsom did that or not. If you are a New York politician and you talk smack about Greg Abbott in Texas and you decide not to mind your business, then it's not beyond the realm of plausibility or effective strategy for Greg Abbott to then say, OK, you take them. Because if you're not going to take them, what basically are you doing as a politician in a state that has to deal with these issues? You know what you're doing? You're telling the opposing politician from another state to shut the hell up and mind your damn business. Unless you're willing to absorb this challenge. Because it is a challenge. I'm a fiscal conservative and a social liberal. I believe in living and let living. There ain't no transphobia this way. There's no homophobia this way. There's no xenophobia this way. I'm about living and let living. Be clear. But when problems persist and something has to be done, Unless you're willing to do something about it as a politician, as an unelected official, unless you're willing to do something about it, you should shut the hell up. Because all you're doing is talking. And you don't have to back it up. If you're not the governor of the state, you don't have to deal with it in Florida. You don't have to deal with Ron DeSantis issues as it pertains to the borders. You don't have to deal with Greg Abbott's issues in Texas as it pertains to the borders. It's clearly a crisis. Something clearly has to be done. Now, me, myself, I'm for letting folks in. But I'm also for them standing online. Because as my friend, my brother, Jeff Brown in California, once said to me, I'm sorry, not once, but numerous occasions, said this to me. He said, yo, Steve, my brother, I want you to imagine you drive all the way to Six Flags or you go to Disney World. And I want you to imagine having to stand in one of those long lines. Hour, two hour, three hours before you gonna hop on one of those roller coasters. 
And right before you get to go on, somebody who didn't stand in line jumped in front of you. How would you feel? I just looked at him. I said, I wouldn't like it. He said, that's our immigration problem. Because when you just come into the borders, when you just cross the borders seeking asylum. And you're allowed to do so, you're cutting in front of the line from those who are standing in line. This wasn't just a Bill Clinton problem. It wasn't just a George W. Bush problem. It wasn't just, uh, you know, a Barack Obama problem, all of whom tackled the issue in their own way. And in Barack Obama's case, there's an abundance of people that he sent back across the borders. That they came from. It's clearly an issue that needs to be resolved. It requires a heightened level of sensitivity and humanity which we're not seeing from people who are callous enough to just ship these folks to other states, not even being able to speak English, no money in their pocket, and you're just sending them to another state just to take a political stance. It is callous. It's wrong. But clearly there's a strategy to it. And clearly it's one they've been convinced will work and will curry votes, which will ultimately assist to them getting elected. We can hate the players, but we'll never resolve the issue until we hate the game even more so that we're determined to do something about it collectively. Plain and simple. My name is Stephen A. Smith, and I approve that message. Last segment of the show in a minute. Cardi B! Now, what the hell would Stephen A. Smith have to say about Cardi B? Wait for it. You'll find out. Stephen A. Smith Show. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube. Coming at you at the very least, at least three times a week, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, live right here, the Stephen A. Smith Show. I changed the name from No Mercy to Stephen A. Smith a couple of weeks ago because guess what? When you Google, who do you Google? You don't Google, Google No Mercy. You Google me. So I wanted to make sure, make sure you click and subscribe to the Stephen A. Smith Show. The more subscribers I get, the better it is. The better I feel, the more enthused and motivated I am to continue giving you shows. Hell, if I develop enough of a following and I have been developing some followers, I might decide to do this every day, every weekday. You never know with me. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, Cardi B has made some news. Um, Rap artists and all of that stuff. I actually like Cardi B, believe it or not. I think she's a lot of fun. I'm putting on my glasses. I want to make sure I read this right because I want to make sure I got all my information straight. Um, This Cardi B, after a fan criticized her and her new music video 
um, you know, she was talking about how sometimes having everything is boring. Apparently, here's what motivated her. She said after a fan criticized her in a new music video where she is waving around guns asking who escapes the hood just to relive it every chance they get. Cardi responded back saying, you want to know what's so crazy? I was tearing up the other day because I miss my old life. Sometimes having everything gets boring. That's what she says. The Bronx rapper reminisced about her days living in the hood. Cardi's old life involved dancing in strip clubs, toting guns. And this is according to her, robbing men. She was also involved in gangs, according to her. One fan responded to her statement tweeting, quote, I get what she means, but she wouldn't be bored if she started giving back and was passionate about helping. I bet building wells in Africa for villages would be really fulfilling to do. According to Forbes magazine, Cardi B's accomplishments per Forbes, one of the most influential female rappers of all time and holds various records. The female rapper with the most number one singles, five on the Billboard Hot 100, the only one to achieve multiple solo number ones and the only one to earn number ones in two decades, 2010, 2020s on the charts. Let me throw out something else before I get into responding directly to what she said. I'm just looking at her numbers. Cardi B has 165 million followers on Instagram. 30.3 million on Twitter. 22.4 million on TikTok. 34.5 million on Facebook. Grand total. She has 272 million followers across the social media stratosphere. She says she's bored being rich. I have a suggestion. Give it away. I'll take some. I'm quite sure my social media guy, Bailey, will take some. One of my producers, Jay, he'll take some. I got Michael and Sherry and them. They'll take some. I know a whole bunch of people in this world that come from incredibly similar backgrounds to Cardi B's that would sit up there and say to her, give it to me. I'll take it. And I promise you, I won't be bored. This is not to condemn Cardi B. This is not to get on her about anything. It's simply to remind her that while you were doing what you needed to do when you was in the strip clubs, when you were drugging and, 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 and robbing men or whatever, I'm not calling you out. I'm just reading from an article where you stated what you used to do. Not me. You said you had to do what you had to do to survive. We all get that. Anybody from the hood that tells you otherwise is a damn lie, Cardi B. You right about that. Everybody wouldn't have taken that path, but... When you're confronted with what you have to do to survive, there's a lot of people who would have done what you did. So you go on, girl, don't let them sit up there and tear you down and and, and minimize you and whatever. That's not where I'm going. Because I'm certainly not trying to do that. What I'm saying, however, is because of what you had to do to survive, to use your words, because of the trials and tribulations you endured, because of what you had to go through. Think about where you are now and how desperate you were to get out of the abyss that you was living in so you could have control over your own life. You want to be happy? Here's a way to pull off happiness. Unlike 99.9% of the world population that surrounds you, Cardi B, 
You're that point zero 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 one percent in the world. Who never has to capitulate to nor answer to anyone, nor work for, for anyone another day of your life. That is true freedom. Most of us don't have that. You do. So guess what? Under those circumstances, boredom is actually a good thing. Not because boredom itself is good. But it's because you sit in a lofty enough position to be able to choose to be bored or to be excited at your own volition. You're as free as they get, girl. That is a reason to be happy. Before I get on out of here, there's a new component that I added to the show because I know y'all don't think that I read your messages, but I actually do. I actually do. I read your messages all the time. And one of the things that I'm going to do is make sure that at least the, uh, at the back end of every show to end every show, I'm going to answer a few questions before I get on out of here. Some dude named Patrick Blum, B-L-U-M. Hola, Stephen A. By the way, Patrick Blum donated $20 to me. I don't know why. I don't need your money, but thank you. He says, hola, Stephen A. Thank you for doing a great show. Continue to be hard-hitting. Although I don't agree with you regarding your take on President Biden, I still respect you big time. Big shout out to you from Washington State. First of all, I don't care that you don't agree with me about President Biden. I'm not here to receive your agreement or disagreement. I just let you know where I stand and how I feel. And I stand by what I feel and why. No knock against anybody that's 80 years of age or whatever. I'm just saying in the year 2023, we should be able, as a, as a Democrat, I should say we, because I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm a registered independent. But in this country, no matter what party affiliation you have, you shouldn't be reliant on an 80-year-old to win an election. I stand by that, and I mean that with every fiber of my being. But I appreciate the fact that you watch the show and that you respect where I'm coming from and that you appreciate my no-nonsense approach because it ain't going anywhere. So I'm glad you like it. Dre Randall, you sent the message. Talk more Jordan and Pippen. Hating. I love that condo. Nothing to really say. I mean, what I said was pure perfection, to be quite honest with you. I mean, how much more perfect can I get? I had the facts. I had the passion. I had the delivery, the presentation. I articulated myself with a level of fluidity that is unrivaled. I mean, when you think about all of these different things, what else do you want me to say? What else do you want me to do? But I will say this. Pippen needs to stop hating now. He made his own choices. Wasn't Jordan's fault that he found himself in the position that he found himself in. Migraine headaches, refusing to enter games, signing contracts he shouldn't have signed. I didn't even bring up the fact that he went to Portland on his own and they got bounced out by the Lakers. Shaq and Kobe en route to their first title. I didn't bring that up. I didn't bring up that without Jordan. At least the second go round, he was a shell of himself. I didn't bring that up. It was Scottie Pippen that was actually playing the role damn near of a mascot. Not literally, but figuratively speaking, it was damn near a mascot for the Chicago Bulls after he was playing days. Jordan didn't have to do such things because he saw the forest from the trees. He saw the long game. And turned himself into a billionaire. 
You understand, Scotty Pippen. You understand. Put up that last comment for me, please, because I want to see that one last time. Mostro 32, M-O-S-T-R-O-W, 32. Stephen A, is Ja okay? Why is he so dumb, ruining his career? What's your opinion? I don't want to call him dumb. I want to call him young. He's still a grown man, no doubt about it. He's a father, 24 years old. But think about what a lot of us did at the age of 24. He broke no laws. Now, that doesn't mean what he did was right. Doesn't mean that the NBA is not going to punish him for it. The suspension is definitely imminent. And it doesn't mean he doesn't have some issues. I know people in the NBA that are worried about whether or not he's going to be alive in five years or not. Because of who he surrounds himself with and the kind of element he finds himself in from time to time. But John Moran is a superstar athlete. His teammates love him. They speak highly about him. They say he's a good brother. It's just that some guidance would be helpful. And sometimes in order to receive that guidance, you have to suffer enough to be provoked to embrace that guidance. And I think that's what's going to happen once Adam Silver hands down the suspension. It's just something to think about. It's just something to think about. That's it for this edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show. Make sure to like and follow and hit the notification bell to get updated with all my new content every chance you get. Just make sure you do that. All right. I really appreciate it. I'll be back tomorrow because I wasn't here yesterday and I owed you a show today and I'll be back tomorrow. Same bad time. 4 p.m. Eastern time. 1 p.m. Pacific. Same bad channel. Don't touch that dial. It's the Stephen A. Smith show coming at you like I love to do as long as you love me back. Peace and love, everybody. Until later. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcast.